Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. Hope you are, at least if you're in Iowa this week, staying cool. It's going to be a brutal one. 105 degrees on the kids' first day of school this week. So we'll see how well that goes. But nonetheless, lots to talk about this week. I will start, as I do every week, just reminding you that what you're about to hear shouldn't be considered individual investment advice. If you want that, give us a call. We'll talk to you about it. But this is just more of our opinion on what's going on in the broader market. Now, I was doing some reading. When you start to do these kind of memos and podcasts and you're doing them week in, week out for several years, you start to worry that you're covering the same ground again. And I was going back and doing a review of some old memos that we wrote. And I was noticing there's a trend in August. There's some sort of variation along the theme of August is a quiet month in the markets. The idea is that traders are getting the last of their vacation days before summer runs out in Washington. Everybody goes in their usual month-long recess from legislation. And that can lead to, as we titled the memo a couple years ago, the quote, August lull. But when I think more about that, that's not really a fair explanation of it. It's not so much of a lull as it is kind of a quiet underperformance. It turns out there was an article in MarketWatch this week that showed that August has had the worst performance of any month of the year in the market going back to 1986. But here's the strange thing. Just from 1986 to today, August has averaged minus 8%, while the rest of the year, the market has averaged plus 0.9%. So it ranks 12th out of the 12 months. But here's the kicker. From 1896 to 1986, the previous 90 years when there were records kept, August ranked first. It was the best performing month in the market, on average up 1.8%. So what's the why? What happened in 1986? It's very hard to tell. The The article's author, a guy by the name of Mark Holbert, actually went and tried to figure it out, and his best answer was, it's probably a fluke. But fluke or not, this August is shaping up much the same way. You know, we've seen the market down, depending on if you're looking at the Dow, the NASDAQ, or the S&P, somewhere from 3% to 7%. NASDAQ's down about 7%. And anytime we get a start to a month like that, it can induce a little bit of panic for investors. Now, I don't see a reason for panic today. In fact, what I'm seeing is a little bit of a breather happening in a really strong bull rally. And it's a pretty normal occurrence. Take, for example, the chart that we go through in the memo, which you can see if you link to it, it looks at how the market has moved through this cycle going back to the pandemic. And what it shows is in the bull run from March of 20 until the end of 21, we had this run where we would see, you know, kind of moves of 10 to 20%, followed by a breather in the market. The market would take a little breath and would retreat somewhere between 5 and 10%, and then it would take off and go again. And we've seen that again in October to today. When the market bottomed in October of last year, we saw about a 20% run followed by a 9% breather when we had this little mini banking crisis that we saw last spring. Now we've had another 20% run followed by a roughly 5% pullback. So what we're seeing is not uncommon. When markets expand 20% in a run, they need a little break. What might lead us to believe, though, that this is a break and not a broader issue? 
I think the same thing that's made us pretty confident over the last few months, and that is that the economy is outpacing anyone's expectations. Now, I told you a few weeks ago that Goldman Sachs lowered the recession odds to 20%. They're not the only ones. This last week, Bank of America publicly stated that they missed the recession call. They flat out admitted it. They said, we got it wrong. And a recession is not happening anytime soon. The mood is definitely starting to change amongst these so-called economists. And it's being reflected in what we saw in the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now forecast. One of the things I would point out is that GDP Now has been whooping the economists for the last two years when it comes to expectations of economic growth or recession. But here's the here's the amazing thing is that right now the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now forecast for Q3, we are going to see nearly 6% GDP growth. That is an amazing number especially on the back of the 2% that we saw in Q2. Now, this number is going to evolve, and it's probably going to come down a little bit, right? We can't count on that kind of economic growth. But it's important to remember what the world was saying just a few weeks ago. Because just a few weeks ago, just before the end of Q2, we talked about a chart that was the quote-unquote consensus economist expectation for economic growth in the United States for the rest of this year. And it showed 0.1% GDP growth in Q2. We saw 2%. Then in Q3, the quarter we're in, they were projecting minus 0.9%, followed by minus 0.3% in Q4. Well, right now, we're looking like we're going to be somewhere between 4 and 6% for Q3. That's a heck of a lot better than minus 0.9%. We are massively exceeding the expectations. It's really quite an amazing miss by the quote-unquote economists. So that's really good news. We have economic strength backing up this market, and it'll eventually shake out. But what are the bogeys? What are the things we're worried about? Now, the first one is super obvious, especially to our regular listeners. I'm not going to waste a lot of time here, but anytime we see an economy expanding this rapidly, it is going to have inflationary effects. And if we get to the end of Q3, right about the time of September Fed meeting, and we're expecting 5% plus GDP growth, it's going to make it more likely that the Fed will continue to raise rates, which we certainly don't want to see. But We're going to get a peek at their plans later this week. Chairman Powell is speaking at the Jackson Hole Conference. Regular listeners will remember that this speech last year took the market to the woodshed. And eventually, over the next eight weeks, the market dropped 700 points before things turned around in October. It's not going to be that bad this year. It's not going to be that dramatic. But it is worth watching, and we will report back on it next week. Now, the other bogey, though, to keep an eye on, the other bogey is China. The world's second largest economy is, you know, it's going through some things right now. The reopening has not gone the way Chairman Xi hoped, and the bad news is starting to pile up. The most notable example was the bankruptcy filing of Evergrande, one of the world's largest real estate developers. They have lost over $80 billion in the last two years. That's a lot of money no matter how you cut it. And another Chinese real estate giant, Country Garden, announced last month that they have lost $7.6 billion so far this year. We all know that the Chinese economy is not as free nor as open as ours, but that is what makes these real estate collapses, I guess I would say, even more interesting. One of the few places where Chinese citizens can and do invest is in real estate. Protecting the real estate market is very important to Xi, and it wouldn't surprise me if they take proactive steps to do so. Which brings me to my next point. 
Chinese youth unemployment has been rising rapidly in the last several months. Now, that is to be expected in a slowing economy. The numbers put it on par with Spain, Portugal, Italy. So it's not wild, but they're north of 20% right now, youth unemployment. But here's where China shows that it's still China. Last week, they abruptly announced they're just no longer going to provide that youth unemployment data. Not going to do it. That's it. Just not going to show it to you anymore. Could you imagine if the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics decided to just not provide data that was, call it, uncomfortable for the administration because the news wasn't good? There would be pundits screaming on TV and lawsuits filed in courts. It would be a a zoo. And it's a good reminder that China is not us. As much as they would love to be, they are not a freewheeling, democratically run, market-based economy. They are a one-party system where one man or a small group of men makes the rules whether you like them or not. Any system like that is vulnerable in the end. And so they will do what they must to maintain control. And here's the good thing for the Chinese economy, because my guess is that will be some level of stimulative input into the economy. It may not be real, but China's economy is going to recover from this malaise, if only because she says so. But it's also a good reminder of how good we have it over here. We fight. We complain. There are things that go wrong. There are certainly things to worry about. But things are chugging along pretty well, all things considered. So we'll leave it there this week. As always, if you have questions, give us a call. 515-273-1333 is the number at the office. Or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a fantastic week. And we will be back to report on Jackson Hole shortly. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm. 